Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun. Hey, this is Ben Piper. I'm the Ward 6 Alderman here in Hernando. And this is Chad Wicker, Ward 4 Alderman, City of Hernando. How y'all doing? You're listening to the Boardroom Podcast, coming to you from the Shelby Row Productions studio. That's right. An inaugural here on, episode. Here on Caffey Street, here in Hernando. The heart, uh, the heart of Ward 4. we got to put that out there. So. The, 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 the true heart of Ward 4. That's You can't, can't forget that part. Uh, well, what's so going we, on, Ben? We have a lot going on right now. Uh, the qualifying deadline for candidates in county uh, government has come and gone, so we know who will be running um, for DeSoto County's uh, positions. Most of them are uh, here in in Hernando, here in the county seat. So we have several that are unopposed. I'll run through those really quickly. Uh, Misty Taylor Hefner for uh, Chancellor, Chancery Clerk, Dale Kelly Thompson, Circuit Clerk, uh, Josh Pounders, Coroner, uh, James Holland, County Attorney, Jeff Fitch, Tax Assessor, Joey Treadway, Tax Collector, Mark Gardner, District 2 Supervisor, who will be our guest uh, later on, and we'll uh, talk about that in just a minute. Uh, Lee Caldwell, District 4 Supervisor, Doug Hollowell, Justice Court Judge, District 1, District 2, Justice Court Judge Ben Murphy, uh, District 3, Justice uh, Court Judge Billy Lantrop. Our constables are all unopposed. Lawrence Vaughn, District 1, Brad Hodge, District 2, Keith Combs, District 3, Bobby Holloway, District 4, Lee Hodge, District 5, and our Election Commissioner, District 4, Sissy Ferguson, is also unopposed. Uh, Now, those people are all currently elected, so they will just continue on for the next four years serving in those capacities. Now, for the contested races, we had two candidates for the sheriff's race, Michael Lee and Thomas Tuggle, both Republicans. Uh, Supervisor District 1, Bobby Cowan Sr., uh, qualified as a Democrat. Jesse Medlin as a Republican, who is the current incumbent, and Marcus Turner, who is running as an independent. Supervisor District 3, uh, Ray Dennison is the incumbent Republican. Uh, William Egner, qualified as a Democrat, and Bobby Reed as a Republican. Supervisor in District 5, that is an open race as Michael Lee is uh, pursuing the sheriff's race there. Robert Foster, qualified as a Republican. Uh, Jim Robinson, qualified as a Republican. And Jack Scott, qualified as a Republican as well. Justice Court Judge District 4, Brad Russell, Republican. And James Woodard, Democrat. Uh, Justice Court Judge District 5, Chris Hanna as an independent and Karen Sanders as a Republican. And Election Commissioner District 2, Zelda Hill, a Democrat, and Tim Snyder as a Republican. Uh, so that's kind of the rundown there. Uh, you know, several of these folks are ha- have served for uh, multiple terms. You know, certainly there's always going to be, uh, in, a, in an open race for sheriff, you're always going to have a couple people uh, that, that jump into that. Michael Lee has obviously served as uh, District 5 supervisor for for several years, and uh, Mr. Tuggle uh, comes from the uh, state trooper organization um, and has some ties to Hernando as well. Uh, we won't get into uh, necessarily debating all these candidates or, or bringing in every single candidate to the show, but we certainly want y'all to be aware of what is going on there. 
and um, and and know who is know is know who is involved in all those races. Now, uh, Chad, can you can you kind of go through some of the uh, from the for the legislator for the legislature side? Yeah, so not not just the the county elected officials, but also in Mississippi they do their elections in an off year, so uh, all the state officials are up. I'm not going to read the candidates for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state. Uh, you can go online and find those, get more information. The election is not actually until August 8th, the primary, and then the general election, I believe, is November 7th. Oh, don't hold me to that, but I believe that's what it is. But I am going to talk about uh, just briefly about the two um, legislative elections that encompass Hernando. So first you have Senate District 1, which is going to be a primary election between incumbent Mike McClendon and current state representative Steve Hopkins and there's also a Democrat that has signed up to run in that race uh, so the winner of Mike and Steve will face the Democrat in November and her name is uh, Gail Lyons and then also uh, in the House Mississippi House of Representatives there's District uh, 28 is the one that represents most of uh, all of Hernando and a little a couple other areas is Mr. Jerry Darnell is a current representative and he uh, decided not to run uh, so that's going to be an open seat and you have uh, John T. Williams, a Republican, and Doc Harris, who uh, sits on the board of aldermen for the city of Fernando. And currently, there's no one uh, running as a Democrat or independent. So the winner of that primary election will take office uh, January 1st and represent the city of Fernando. Uh, so again, that's the state level. Not going to talk about the major offices. There'll be plenty of ads on your TV in a couple of months about that. Um, oh, another probably note, uh, another race worth noting is probably the district attorney's race. That's going to be uh, Bob Morris against Matthew Barton for the uh, the newly created uh, District 23 district. I guess uh, Bob Morris took over for John Champion after he passed away. He was appointed to that position. Um, and what's kind of interesting is DeSoto County used to be in the 17th district with Tate County, Panola County, and Yalabusha County. However, they split that district. The legislators split that district a couple of years ago, and it started January 1st of this year. So now we, DeSoto County is, is in its own standalone district of 23, and, and both those guys are running for that position. Definitely a lot going on over the next seven or eight months or so. Y'all will start to see the yard signs come up and just all the stuff. I'm sure you'll have people come by your When can door. you put signs up, Ben? I don't know. That's a great question, Chad. You might know, you probably know better than I do on that one, but I think the you should you should start to see those. I'm sh- I would definitely assume in the county over the summertime, and you're, you'll start to have people come by your door. Um, you know, try to introduce themselves and tell you why they want to run. So certainly be on the lookout for that. So let's talk a little bit about some things that are coming up here for the city of Hernando. What you got? Uh, so there is a application for a planned urban development, a PUD. What that is is really just a zoning designation, correct? That's right. That's right. You have the city are, has a lot more control over the development as, under a PUD, so we like PUDs. So this this PUD is up on Mackinville Road, across from the new uh, Hernando High School construction site. It's in that general area there. Uh, there's a lot of soybean fields, and uh, there currently, and so there's a number of residential units planned for there i think it's a little over 800 currently uh and then there's also some commercial space planned there as well um as kind of a mixed use right so it, it looks like in 2007 the what was called the brighton village pud was approved that consisted of 
251 acres, 131 acres of residential, 20.5 acres of commercial, and 72.5 acres of amenities and common open space. Now, that's not what's being proposed, but that's what our planning director says was approved back in 2007. I think, Ben, you have a comment about that, don't you? It was. So the, so the, the board approved that unanimously uh, in 2007, but that was prior to there being six wards in, in the city. You only had five aldermen at that time and not seven. So it was prior to the 2009 election where you had a ward six alderman that represented that area. So you, you really didn't have a lot of the people that are in that area now um, that I'm assuming are going to come to the, the planning commission meeting. It did not necessarily elect any direct representation on that board at that time. So that, that is one thing that's interesting about this. Um, but it's something that the Planning Commission has to look at and take under consideration. And what their role is, for anybody that, is, that, is, that has not been to one of their meetings, they really see what is proper for that area based on how uh, the land is currently zoned and what it's being changed to. Were there any changes in the area? Does it fit with the comprehensive plan of the city? And then they give a recommendation to the Board of Aldermen, and the Board of Aldermen can either approve what the recommendation is or we can choose to deny it. If they deny the zoning change, we can basically flip it back the other way or we can, you know, side with them. And we typically uh, try to read several pages of reports from what they recommend and kind of what their thoughts are on it. But we'll have to see what this, uh, what this development has in store. And a lot of times what you'll see, too, with these situations is what is initially proposed to the, the Planning Commission. The Planning Commission may give them feedback based on... Hey, we want to look at, I think they said something about looking at traffic studies. Uh, let's see an updated traffic study. And there can be, there can be changes that are made from when it's presented to the planning commission and they, and they vote and when it gets in front of the board of aldermen. So things can change, um, certainly. Um, I don't know how the planning commission feels about it. I don't know how anybody on the board feels about it because we, really, we can't really talk about it uh, in, in more than just a few of us uh, getting together uh, per open meetings laws. So it's really something where it's really we're, we're trying to get the information out there so people know um, it's something that's being considered right now. And also one of the, the pieces of that, uh, that Delta landing is a potential site for the, the uh, YMCA building. Um, so when people talk about the YMCA building, it is not a city project um, that's being taken on. It is a, it's a private organization that's trying to raise money. And there has been some amount of commitment to put that building within this development if it is approved. Right. And so just a little more background on this. Uh, this this initial proposal was put at the January 10th Planning Commission meeting, and it was tabled until the February 14th meeting. So if anybody is interested in listening to this podcast and uh, live in that area, I think it's what uh, Dogwood Hollow, Fonny, Hall Road, all those roads there on the backside. I know this is important to Ben because this is Ben's war. He represents you there. I'm sure he'll be happy to take any calls from you. If, uh, I've, I've been taking calls about it and listening to, you know, what people's concerns are. And, you know, I, I, I kind of want to, um, you know, stay stay neutral on it on this podcast for now, like until we until the Planning Commission can have their time to, you know, to look it over and give us a recommendation. Uh, but we want to let people know that, that is something that is that, is, that has been applied for. Uh, in that area. If you see the big red sign when you're riding up Mackinvale, that is what has been applied for that area. And, and there's going to be some type of development there. I mean, you got a high school coming in that's going to be, I think, $85 million high school there. It's going to be a really, I'm going to argue, the, the best high school in the state of Mississippi. I've seen some of the plans. Uh, they're doing a great job with it. And I have some friends that live over uh, in that area, and I've talked to them about it. Uh, they're not, they're 
concerned about the traffic, and that's something I think the planning planning commission is going to take a look at, and then certainly we'll take a look at it when it gets to us. But if you are interested in, uh, you know, if you live in that area, are you just interested? Uh, this will be brought up at the uh, February fourteenth planning meeting at 6 p.m. and you're more welcome to attend. Also, those meetings are streamed on YouTube. Uh, we try to be as transparent as possible in Hernando so you can watch it or come to it, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Well, next up, we have uh, one thing that I know Chad and I both follow pretty closely is the the sales tax numbers for the city of Hernando. What we have done or what the city the city's budget is for this current year is expecting uh, about $5.4 million in sales tax. I think that's what we budgeted, yeah. Yeah, that was, bu- that was what was budgeted. And so every month we can kind of track that through the state and see what the city is bringing in. So right now it, it is tracking uh, about where it needs to be a little bit of, a little bit above, you know, I would say, you know, maybe $100,000 or so above where it, where it's uh, where it's budgeted. Uh, and so what that means is that that's one of the, the few ways that the city has revenue is through sales tax. So that that number is in line with what has been budgeted. So there shouldn't necessarily uh, be any kind of any bad news there for, for certain. Um, one of the things that we would track as well is the internet sales tax that uh, generates. You mean lottery? No, it's internet sales tax. Come on, Chad. You know, there's no lottery money. The uh, the internet sales tax, um, and and what that <clears throat> when that money started coming in around 2020. And uh, Hernando's now getting its full percentage on that as of the 2023 year. So in 2020, for example, there was about $136,000. 2021, $473,000. 2022, close to $1,973,000. And so far for 2023, we've gotten 677000 We typically get two payments, one in January and one in July um, from the state from collected internet sales tax. Those funds can only be used... Uh, for infrastructure projects, and that is kind of the basis for where road improvements come from. So the money that's been um, collected so far will go towards about a $1.5 million uh, budget out of those fund. Out of those funds, $1.5 million will be spent for for paving roads here in Hernando. On the next board meeting that the board of aldermen has, will be approving funds to go towards the Vaden Road industrial, and industrial drive, drive area, area yeah. which we definitely heard. About plenty of potholes there. I hear from it every day when I drive to work, so I'm, I'm very familiar with that one. The ice, the ice storms and, and uh, winter weather that we've had, I'm sure, have exposed even more potholes and probably undone some patches. So that road is definitely, definitely needed. But one of the things we want to talk about with that is, is just how expensive it is to pave a road um, here in Hernando and, and in DeSoto County. So, um, Chad, do you want to talk a little bit about about that sure absolutely so you know as ben said we we uh starting in 2020 we we started receiving some additional funds to cover uh road improvements prior to that you really just were kind of had to put in your general fund and i hope you had enough money there and i think in the past and and just speaking this is my opinion but i think in the past uh, those funds were used uh as kind of a fix it for your budget if, if if something else went over they would take those funds and just say we'll do that project next year and so uh, the city of Hernando uh, went through, I think, several years. They did not not very much in road improvements. Uh, and so we kind of got behind the eight ball. And so this board uh, has worked really hard to try to continue to increase that number. And this year we, we set a record number of funds for road improvements in the uh, in the city. But unfortunately, just like everything else with inflation, if anybody's bought uh, you know a dozen eggs lately, everything has cost a lot more. 
like Ben was talking about the the Vaden Industrial Drive project, that project's going to be in excess of four hundred thousand dollars, I think, to pave that that area from Mount Pleasant all the way to um, McCracken there, Vaden Drive. Um, it's just just it's so so expensive. And then another issue that we run into uh, in in Hernando is because we're so small, we don't have a lot of money in reserve. We have a cash flow issue uh, the first three months of the year, but uh, until you start paying your taxes, when we get we start getting money, so we're really unable to really move forward with some of those larger projects until the tax revenue starts coming in. And so, and and all, on top of that, you have the uh, asphalt plant shut down because of the weather, and just all kind of compounds and, and makes it where we have kind of towards the end of the year, we're trying to spend like crazy to get those uh, projects done. That's right. And so we did get a little bit, we did get a little bit of paving done in the fall. We were able to move forward with a little bit of that, but it was, it was some of the smaller projects, some of the smaller coves in some neighborhoods. Um, so you should see, you should start to see that if you, if you have been on my fa- my Facebook page, I've shared that um, a list of the streets that that'll be paved this spring. Um, and we can certainly you know, share that again if if you want to see that. But there's a lot of a lot of streets that need paving throughout Hernando. It's one of those essential things that I think people always think of when they think of our job. So we wanted to give an update on that. And one thing I want to bring up, just if, if you happen to notice a pothole in your neighborhood, if you would please report that through the city's uh, system. Um, so that way we have it documented and we can go back. Because I, I know I'm, I'm sure Ben gets the same thing I do. Hey, you know, I got a pothole in front of my house. What's going on with it? And, and if, if the city doesn't know about it, you know, there's, I don't know how many hundreds of miles of road in, this, in, in Hernando. So if, if you happen to see one in front of your house or you see any issues, if you report that to the uh, city website, they have an area there where you can put a help desk ticket in, essentially, and then they track those. Uh, and that way you can call me and say, hey, I, I put this in a week ago and I hadn't got any response. Can you check on it for me? That makes it a lot easier for me because a lot of times when I do get a call, all, I, all I'm doing is putting a help desk ticket and say, hey, hey, Lee, could you check on this? Could you get this done for us? And he's he's very responsive, but you know they, they only can work with what they got. So That's right. And that was one of the first things – one of the first purchases I think we made when we were in office was was buying a pothole filling machine to try to improve the quality of the patches that we were putting out there. What had been done for years was just kind of putting some cold cold mix in there, um, you know, sort of raking it over, adding some gravel, you know, adding some more cold mix, and you know, hoping that 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 sort of did the deal for a while. But the pothole filling machine that we have kind of spits out uh, a, a hotter mix, so it should seal it a little bit better. Um, it should it should last a little bit longer. No patch is going to last forever. They're always going to kind of crumble up at some point, uh, usually with some really bad weather like we've uh, had this past week. Um, well, what else we got uh, to talk about here in the city of Hernando before we get to our guest? Uh, do you want to uh, uh, briefly talk about the basketball program, how that's gone this year? Because I, I, my, my sure. son didn't want to play, so I didn't get to coach this sure, year. But yeah. I know you, you coach your daughter, so how'd that that's go? That's right, yeah, coaching basketball this year, and it's going really well. And um, we've had uh, a tremendous response uh, in terms of the number of people, uh, over 500 participants in the in the sport uh, this year. playing at the field house this year, right? Playing at the field house there on, on, on Green Tea. We were able to make – um, a really good, uh, a really good agreement with them. Uh, that they have a some t- uh, uh, end of the season tournament coming up. So uh, anybody that has a, a player going into the tournament, this, I think it's five dollars per person to get in. Uh, unless you're a player or a coach, of course, uh, you don't have to pay that. But um, and and what those funds are really meant to do is just help in you know paying for the program and and paying for all the the, the people that help run the program. You know it, it helps keep that program afloat. Uh, but I think it will be a, a program that sustains itself this year, so it actually pay for itself in its first year in a much needed facility for this area, but a very a very nice facility as well. 
it's incomparable to anything else anybody else has in, in, in other parts of the county and honestly in other parts of the state it's 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 a really nice uh, program that we've that we've been able to build build really quickly um also uh soccer season's about to get started uh here in the city of hernando again yeah. over 500 people in, yeah. in uh, record, record numbers there soccer's doing well i got a strong six u uh, boys team so if anybody well, I'm, I'm coaching soccer as well because it's just i just don't have enough to do i guess uh so just put myself out there to, to coach soccer again but you know certainly love doing that ready for some 70 degree weather though i'm definitely um ready for some sunshine and 70 degrees but uh soccer had over 500 people as well the numbers are the best they've been since probably about 2016 when i went back and looked at uh some of the uh, spreadsheet numbers that we have on That's it right. um so really it's it, it's it's in a really healthy place um we've got most of that facility paved now we're still working to get the rest of it paved and also to get some more lighting out there um as well so the the aldermen are looking at some potential proposals from our the organization that we hired kimley horn they were looking at some some options to potentially get some lighting put out there um over the next over the next couple of years so that is something that has not gotten off our radar it's still something that's needed out there right so i guess in, in closing i want to mention a couple of things um we're going to have a uh, the planning department is going to have a uh, comprehensive plan meeting February 16th at City Hall. And a, a comprehensive plan is kind of a, a guideline to what your city is going to look like, different areas, what, what we propose zoning. Uh, and it's used by the planning commission, by the board of aldermen, uh, when future projects come in front. So we have an idea what kind of what kind of growth we want, where we want areas to grow, what type of planning do you want? Do you want a commercial area here? Do you want a residential area here? So it's very, very vital, very important. I think the the last time we had a a comprehensive plan that was approved, I think, was in two thousand and nine. So it's it's so, sorely past due. Um, and and our uh, planning director Austin Cardozi. Uh, is working with a consulting group, and we're going to have a meeting uh, again February 16th at 6 p.m. at City Hall. Please, if you're interested, come by. And also, I think that's going to be streamed on the uh, City uh, YouTube page. And we hope to have Austin on one of our future podcasts here as well. But uh, today's guest is is Mark Gardner, District 2 Supervisor for DeSoto County. He's here to talk about uh, driving to so- driving to Soto, a big petition to try to get I fifty five widened. Yeah, and, and, and the other projects. Yeah, he he he, he does on. a great job with that. He I've known I've known Mark for years. And if if you're ever stuck in traffic and you want to go back and and look at driving to Soto dot uh, org, I believe is the website there. You can sign a petition. And and what we're doing, just so everybody knows, and I'm sure Mark Mark will talk about this in his interview, is. All the cities, uh, mayors and board of aldermen, along with the county supervisors uh, and the uh, state public uh, highway safety uh, highway commissioner, John Caldwell, is petitioning the state and, and lobbying them to expand out I-55, Highway 51, and uh, 305 uh, in DeSoto County. So if you sign that petition, that's more people we can say, hey, these people want this done. So I believe it's drivingdesoto.org. All right. So without further ado, here is our interview with District 2 Supervisor Mark Gardner. How you doing? This is Chad Wicker. And Ben Piper. And we're here with District 2 Supervisor Mark Gardner, our first guest on our uh, The Boardroom podcast. Uh, Mark uh, and I have been friends for, I don't know, I guess you're, believe it or not, y'all are in your third term. You and Lee all got elected together. In our 12th year. And Harvey, yeah. So thanks for doing a podcast for us. Hey, thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. And ju- just so you know, Mark, our, our podcast is trying to be educational and try to give uh, kind of a peek behind the curtain of how local and county and city government works. And so tell me, what what, do you, how, what, what does a supervisor do in DeSoto County? You know, uh, Chad I was, and Ben, I was recently at 
National Association of Counties, and they made a statement that really resonated with me. And that statement was, county government is the most misunderstood level of government. A lot of people know who their aldermen are, you guys, and uh, know the mayor, and then uh, they know maybe who their state senator, who the governor, lieutenant governor, but they don't really understand our role. So thank you all for having me, and it, it helps uh, clarify that. Now, in different states, you have different county officials. In the state of Mississippi, we've got 82 counties, each with five elected supervisors. So there's 409 other people that do what I do. There's 410 elected supervisors, and we are totally responsible for county government, uh, we uh, we fund the uh, sheriff's department. We fund the jail. Very we, good, very we, good funding. We fund uh, we fund the court system. Uh, we fund the road department, uh, the IT department, the GIS department, uh, and, and the list goes on and on and on. But uniquely, if, if you remember your civics lesson, there's three branches of government: executive, legislative, and judicial. We're actually a part of all three and actually fall under judicial. You would think we fall under legislative like an alderman, but we're not. But we, but we, since we don't have, like Tennessee, an elected county mayor, we are part of executive because we have an appointed county administrator, Ms. Vanessa Lynchard, who does a, a great job, but she works at the will and pleasure of the Board of Supervisors. And then we go into public hearings. We sort of go into our judici- judicial roles. We don't necessarily put on our robes, but uh, we do that. And then, of course, we pass ordinances and uh, codes and ordinance and, and approve planning uh, commission items. So we kind of uh, cross over all three levels of government. And so in Mississippi, it's a, it's a little unique. When you get to other counties uh, in other states, sometimes you have what they call county commissioners like they do in Tennessee. Over in Arkansas, they have what they call a quorum court. You have quorum court judges. And like just across the bridge in Crittenden County, you don't have supervisors. Uh, you don't have commissioners. You have a quorum court. And uh, those are the people that make the daily decisions for the county. So uh, we do that. We approve a budget. And uh, for all the department heads, even the elected department heads, the the sheriff, chantry clerk, circuit clerk, tax assessor, tax collector. And uh, so uh, it's our job to, to fund all that. I know. I know. I know. La- uh, the thirty first was a big day. That was tax day. That was. Uh, it was tax day. Joy Joy Treadway is a happy man when uh, when people get those taxes <laughs> paid on time. Uh, yeah. You know, we had we had inclement weather that day, and uh, the supervisors have been up at five o'clock every morning this week riding the roads because uh, we had to make the determination whether to. I know some of the cities closed city hall. Uh, but we made the decision, uh, even though the roads were slick, for a delayed start because we wanted people to um, to be able to pay their taxes. It was also a qualifying deadline for oh, election, yeah, yeah. and uh, we hated to close the courthouse on the last day of qualifying, but uh, we, we didn't have to do that. So. Well, pro- probably the most important thing you guys do is set a the millage rate for the county, the budget. So can you want to talk about a little bit about that? Yeah, you know— um, we're blessed in DeSoto County. The Board of Supervisors, my my uh, predecessors, and our current board has not had a millage increase in 19 years. I voted on 11 budgets without a millage increase. 
And I've, I've spoken to groups and I've had people say, well, my taxes went up. And I said, well, praise the Lord, your property value went up. Because what a lot of people don't understand, they see their tax bill and it says ad valorem tax. Well, ad valorem is a Latin term that means as to value. And, uh, is that what that means? I didn't know that. <laughs> and so the, if your if you're, if you're $200,000 house 10 years from now is still worth 200000 and your millage didn't change and your tax rate is exactly the same. But if your $200,000 house is now worth $275,000 house, then the value went up. It's just like, you, you know, we all know when you go buy car tags, you've got a brand new pristine 20, 2022 uh, Cadillac like y- right. you guys drive. <laughs> ben does, you know. Far, uh, far from it. Far the, from the, it. The, the, the tags are pretty high. <laughs> you, you buy, you, you drive a 64 Hoopty, and uh, the tags aren't that much, but it's as to value the, uh, the vehicle. So we haven't had to raise taxes. And the reason we're very frugal with the tax dollar, uh, everyone I serve with is a Ran as a fiscal conservative, and we um, we 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 monitor the county. You know, we monitor yeah. the county's spending very closely and ask a lot of questions, and uh, we're, we're very frugal with the tax dollar. Uh, but also, it's the growth. I mean, gosh, we are blessed. Uh, you guys know, City of Hernando. Look at the phenomenal growth you have experienced in DeSoto County. You know, we issue thirteen or fourteen hundred permits. For new houses every year in this county, and uh, a couple of years last year we did over sixteen hundred. Oh. So to put that in perspective, that's uh, thirteen hundred houses on December thirty first that didn't exist on January first, and uh, and they're paying taxes. You know, let's just say the average tax bill is twenty five hundred dollars a year. That's that's that many new houses, and that's not to mention you know y- y'all've got uh, exciting new project up over up here on fifty one AWG. That's right. There's a yeah. there's a new million square foot warehouse Absolutely. that's going to be paying taxes. We've approved uh, Helen of Troy and um, you know all kinds of new businesses, yeah. and, and each one of those. Well, I, I, the best example I always give is Tanger Outlet Mall. Yeah, that was a forty-acre hayfield uh, that was paying eleven hundred dollars uh, a year in taxes. Now there's a eighty or ninety million dollar mall sitting there, and so look at the difference. So uh, as as those new businesses come in, as new warehouses come in, I, you know, and everybody new convenience stores go on these corners. Man, there's convenience Absolutely. store popping up on every corner where there was previously nothing uh, our tax base grows That's so right. the reason we don't have to raise taxes well mark like when i go to sheriff department meetings or even uh, city meetings we everybody thinks DeSoto county and hernando has you know no problems we have plenty of money we can take care of everything what do you think is a challenge uh with the growth and stuff we have smart growth right. you know we we have to be smart with it you know of the 13 exits on the new I-269 uh, that land into Soda County, there's four corners to each one of them. So um, if you do the math, there's 52 rezonings right there. And, uh, you know, there's going to be all four corners of every interchange uh, are going to ultimately be commercial. Yeah. So we have to make sure... It's it's smart growth. You know, we we approved one out at three hundred one and uh, two sixty nine, but we put some a higher level of standards on that convenience store. 
we we approved one at um, Fog Road in two sixty nine. We put a little higher standard on that strip center, and so we wanted to look nice because we want when people come through. I mean, let's face it, we're now the major. A pathway between Jackson, Mississippi, and Nashville, Tennessee. What what, what was the population at the census I look for the county total? Uh, population is uh, one hundred eighty-eight thousand. Oh, that, that's what we're still second or third in the state. Probably we're, we're number three in the state, but but growing. But we yeah. were responsible for the most growth. Yes, absolutely. The percentage of growth, and uh, if it were not for Desoto County, Mississippi as a whole would have lost numbers in the census. Uh, in the difference in the 2010 and the 2020 census. So. Let's talk a little bit about um, you know, the driving DeSoto campaign. Um, I know all the all the city mayors and aldermen have gotten together with the county supervisors to uh, work with the state to try to get I-55 widened, Highway 51 widened. I think 305 is that is that correct? Yeah, the great thing in DeSoto County, uh, I, I have a saying: uh, government that works together works better. And the city government, uh, the county government, state government, federal government, we, we, we really, really try to work together. And in this case, uh, the supervisors and all the mayors got together and we voted. And we voted, what is the single most important project to DeSoto County that we can go down to Jackson and ask for? And we decided that I-55 being widened from uh, where it bottlenecks from, you know, it's 10 lanes coming out of Memphis. And then when you get down to Goodman, it bottlenecks to four lanes, um, is to get that widened all the way down to Commerce Street, get that (laughs) dastardly Commerce Street exit finally uh, rebuilt to a functional exit, get a new exit at uh, Star Landing Road. And and so we all came together. And and, and what's big is uh, Kedron Henderson, the mayor of Walls, and... um, uh, Ken Adams, the mayor of Olive Branch, they voted for that too. And guess what? I fifty five doesn't touch either one of their cities. But that 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 just shows how we work together. That that those guys realize that's the most important. Now for Kedron, uh, you know how Highway sixty one uh, safety is important for uh, Mayor Adams. Highway three hundred five. Highway three hundred five desperately needs Absolutely to be widened. Uh, if you've ever been caught it. 305 and 269, the afternoon rush hour, it backs up yeah. for miles. Well, he had so much growth in Lewisburg area. Highway there. 51 with uh, AWG and Medline coming online. Uh, uh, Medline is at Star Landing in 51, and AWG is uh, bet- uh, just south of Nesbitt. Uh, there's going to be four to 500 new 18-wheelers a day on the road, and, and that, to me, that's – if Highway 51 has got to be widened, but but I 55 is the most important. Our law enforcement officers wreck uh, work multiple wrecks there every week, yeah. and sometimes multiple wrecks every day. And usually, it, it completely uh, gridlocks the interstate system. Many times, there's serious injuries or fatalities with those. It is just the most important. So we we all we all went down. Uh, mayors and supervisors a few months ago. And we're going back down there next yeah, week, as we're a matter go, we're of fact. Go, I'm going down. And uh, Alderman. And uh, it's a unified ask. We're asking for close to $400 million to, that's it. to fix that. That's all we got. That's, that's all we that's need. That's all. Well, you know, um, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Hoseman, in, in our meeting in his office, he said, well, you know, it's not like you're asking for $400 million next year. 
because uh, right now phase one is from uh, Goodman Road to Church Road. That is shovel ready. The design is done. The right of way has been bought. The uh, utilities are being moved now. So we could start on that. That's just the first segment. While phase two is being designed right away, and and that would be uh, from Church Road down to 269, and then phase three would be from 269 to Commerce Street. So you think about that. Yes, it's a $400 million ask, but it's over about five years. That's right. So it's not that, and, and, and the, I, I just got back from Jackson yesterday, and the state of Mississippi is in the best financial position it's ever been in. So if there is ever a time, we got a lot of um, uh, ARPA money, you know, the COVID money. We got a lot of federal funds for, for infrastructure, uh, for water systems and, and roadways. Now's the time to ask. That's why the mayors and the supervisors came together and ask. Uh, this is our single most important ask. And, and we realize, and, and, and once again, that's city government, county government, state government, but it's also federal government because yeah. I-55 is a federal highway. And the Federal Highway Commission in Washington has some say-so on that, too. Yeah. Y'all, y'all remember McInvale exit was yes. not even on the agenda right. for federal highways till we all went to Washington and said, Hernando has got to have a McInvale road exit. We've got to. And, and I uh, believe that's before my time on the board, but I believe didn't South Haven and some of the other cities kind of forfeit some of their projects to get that done? Absolutely. And that's why I'm, uh, Mayor Musselwhite was at the ribbon cutting. <laughs> he, he felt like he had some skin <laughs> right. in that game, yeah. even though it wasn't in, in his uh, – in his city because they, they, they put some projects aside and we identified that as the single most important thing. And we put skin in the game. The Hernando Board of Aldermen put a million dollars. The Board of Supervisors put a million dollars. Federal Highways put in eight million. It was a $10 million project. And uh, so we all, we, all had, we all have skin in that game. That's right. Talk a little bit about, I know that the, you have the Agri Center um, the, the, the Agri Center project that's coming up as well. When you mentioned Star Landing Road, it made me think about that. Uh, people may not be aware of what's going on there. Yeah, uh, we've been working on this for, for quite a few years. Uh, the county has uh, 200 acres uh, at Star Landing. It's the Isn't it one time they proposed the jail the site mm-hmm. there at one we time? We talked about that. It's, it's on the north side of Star Landing between Highway 51 and the railroad track. And actually, the Austin family, Mr. Bill Austin uh, and his brother and their family donated 10 of the acres to that. And then we bought some of it. But uh, a couple of real exciting projects uh, going in there. Uh, One is the Agri-Education Center. It will feature classrooms, learning labs, conference and convention space, stables. Uh, they're gonna. We're gonna move the cooperative extension service up there from the offices on the south side. Kind of free Hernando. up some space a little bit. Yeah, our 4-H program will be centered out of there. Uh, it's going to give DeSoto County. You know, we want to get back in touch with our agricultural yeah. roots. Still, a lot of DeSoto County is in agriculture, in row crops, in in uh, hay fields, in cattle pr- production. So we want to get back in touch with that. We, d- we don't want our school kids to think a dozen eggs comes from the grocery store. That's so, right. So that's, right. Um, that, that's a, a really exciting. And a lot of people remember, I know I do, uh, growing up, well, that's the old dump site. 
And I said, yep, that is the dump site. Uh, but, but it's only a small percentage of that. And we can't build on that because we don't really know what's under there. Yeah. Uh, although we've done soil samples and we're okay, but we can park on it. So the area where the actual landfill was will be parking space. And ultimately, we would like to put the Mid-South Fair there. Okay. You know, uh, if, if, if we all remember growing up, going to the Mid-South Fair out at the fairgrounds, you know, you'd go to the Pipkin Building and you'd go see the, the cattle barn and the sheep and uh, the, the poultry and the pigs and, and all that. Uh, Supervisor Lee Caldwell put it best. She said, if you can't mix the smell of cotton candy and cow manure, it's not a fair. And I said, wow, <laughs> that's, that's good. pretty good. That is but good. We'd like to get it back in touch with its agricultural roots. Uh, it's great that the Lander Center and the CVB has hosted that uh, since they lost the fairground site. But we'd like to ultimately move it there and get it back to its agricultural roots. Uh, so that's one project there, um, Ben. And, and the other is the National Guard Armory. Or, um, we've been working with the National Guard for several years. Um, they actually plan to combine the Hernando Armory, the Holly Springs Armory, and the, and the uh, Tate County uh, Sanatobia Armory into one so they're going to combine three units into one and build about a um uh 30 35 million dollar facility there uh we've already the board of supervisors has already signed a 99 year lease with uh with the national guard I, i'll probably won't live to see the end of that you never but, know you never know um uh colonel rick weaver from the national guard has met with us and um we're going to have some other things around on a walking trail, and uh, it's going to be home to 350 soldiers. If you've driven by there lately, you see some uh, military equipment already parked out there in a little secured parking area that um, they did. But uh, all the more reason for a Star Landing Road interchange. That's right. That's we right. wouldn't want uh, those soldiers to get activated and be delayed. Let's, let's say they get deployed to the Gulf Coast for a hurricane. Uh, just think about the delay if they had to come down go up to Church Road mm-hmm. or go down to the Nesbitt exit. So all the more reason for a Star Landing yeah. Road interchange. What are y'all going to do with the old armory here in Hernando? Just out of curiosity. You know that that will revert. You know it belongs to the National Guard, but it will belong to the county. Yeah, they're going to give it back and, to the county. And, and so uh, we've talked about several things from a sheriff's department training facility because uh, it's right close to yeah, the uh to other other purposes of that building so we will definitely repurpose that old armory it is old uh <laughs> i remember way back when that's where i vote so I, but but yeah but we will we will repurpose that building when uh when the new armory is built uh, I know we kept you long enough. Do you have anything you want to close with? Oh, well, I, I have one thing exciting. Uh, as of the the closing, you have no opponent, so you're running you know, uh, unopposed. How's that my, feel? My family <laughs> was the most excited. At five oh two, I sent a family text. Uh, I said unopposed, and uh, man, you could and my, my all my married kids and grandkids live in DeSoto County. You could hear them shouting from all. They said, so uh, we don't really have to knock doors all summer. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to the voters of DeSoto County for their confidence in me. Uh, You know, good news, bad news. Good news, I'm unopposed. Bad news, I guess you got to put up with me for four more years. But uh, no, I'm really excited. Um, 
We, um, you know, there's still several important contested races this year in the county and in the state, and so we want folks to get out and vote. Uh, Freeze me up to help some of my friends uh, get elected this year, and uh, I will be doing that. But uh, I am grateful uh, to be unopposed. First time it's happened. This is my uh, well. Next January will be the start of my fourth term, and uh, I've never been unopposed, so uh, it feels pretty good. Well, I just want to tell our I want to tell our listeners too. I know you mentioned earlier about being being frugal and mindful with taxpayer dollars, but if you get the opportunity to go to a county board of supervisors meeting, you'll see how many questions they ask about uh, you know the transactions of the county. They go you know literally line by line um, on on these transactions to make sure that they're legitimate, that they were needed. And, you know, to me, that is that is really a testament to this entire board, you know, Mark included, that they that they take that amount of time to do that. Because I think we all do that in our own in our home. Uh, we we, we well, check our bank statements. So y'all do it very. Well, thank you, Ben. And, and to that point, and, and I'll give a great example. Most people have commented on how nice the new Holly Springs Road is. That was a thirty seven million dollar project that we were able to do without a tax increase. There's not a county in Mississippi, I don't think, besides DeSoto, that could do a $37 million project without uh, a tax increase. One thing we did, uh, just being as you said, when you want to do something at your house, you want to buy a new new car, a new, new hunting rifle, or a new boat, you save up your money. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we did. So we took $10 million from what we call ending cash, which is our rainy day fund, uh, still didn't deplete our rainy day fund or our ending cash, and we put it towards Holly Springs Road. We went to Washington, D.C. with our handout time after time after time. Uh, one day we got a call from Cindy Hyde Smith's office, said we got you $13.5 million of federal money for Holly Springs Road. Uh, we went to Jackson time after time after time uh, asking for asking for help with Holly Springs Road. One one day we got a call, said, uh, you heard about the BP oil spill money, the big settlement that the, the state got from the big spill out in the Gulf? Said, yeah. Said, well, we're going to we're going to we're going to write you a check for seven million dollars for Holly Springs Road. So between our ending cash that we saved up between the federal funds, a trip to Washington that we made several trips to Washington paying off and several trips to Jackson, we were able to build that road. And man, it was sorely needed. We were having to close that road seven or eight times a year due to flooding. It's so bad when you've got a road that floods so often you put permanent gates on it. Uh, I think we're going to bronze those gates and put them in the museum now. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but there you go. Uh, we, we're excited. We did save up. We, uh, we were able to do that. And we do. I ask the question all the time. How does this benefit the taxpayers? You talked about being frugal with the expenses. Uh, why did we really need this? You know, some people um, some people take the attitude, or they used to, that it was like, well, I got it left in my budget. I better spend it. If I don't, I'll lose it. And I say, no, let it go back to the taxpayers. If you don't need it, uh, let it go back to the taxpayers. And that's how we do. And then we reinvest it in the infrastructure. Well, it's definitely a, definitely a lesson in what I like to call it. It's, it's reasonable, conservative principles and reasonable conservative decision making where um you know if you have a, a problem with your roof and there's a few shingles that go missing well you replace the few shingles you That's don't right. you don't just replace the entire roof every time there's a little there's a little problem absolutely um, and, and saving that has allowed we're doing a big renovation over at the courthouse right now uh, uh, you know, and that being on the uh, National Historic Register, that's not an easy task. We had to almost get 
congressional approval just to replace the windows in the courthouse. And there's over a hundred of them, but they've got to be, you know, in, in line with the tradition of the courthouse, but we're going to do a a facelift on the courthouse. It's over a million dollars, but we're able to do that uh, with the money we we've saved and it's needed. That courthouse was built in the forties. Been a minute. We certainly appreciate your time. Absolutely. You only have so much of it every day. So for, for you to uh, take time to, to speak with us, we certainly appreciate it and, and speak to the, uh, some of the uh, taxpayers of DeSoto County so they know where, what's going on with those dollars. We appreciate you being open and transparent with them and for, and for meeting with us. Well, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here, and we appreciate uh, the partnership we have with you guys at the city of Hernando and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. That was District 2 Supervisor of DeSoto County, Mark Gardner, uh, meeting with us. Uh, Chad, he's he's great. we uh, uh, we got to get more supervisors in here. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's four more of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, that is that is our our show for this uh, for this week. Uh, we will be coming back to you after um, our board of aldermen meeting that's coming up later this month, so we can give you some updates of what's going on here with the city. And we appreciate y'all listening, and we'll we'll talk to you again soon for the next episode. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people. Ah!